Humbled to be here, glad to be here. Uh, I'm just looking around and seeing all you guys. I, I don't know if you can understand this, but I mean, I, I, I travel over and I'm preaching stuff. My heart is always so humbled by what I get to do and what I get to see and enjoy. Like here I am in Granbury. I didn't know there was a Granbury for, before last year, but it's just a little community, but there's folks here and there's people that love Jesus. And God just has people everywhere and He's moving on hearts and He's doing things. Man, these guys... A couple years back, we're praying. They were watching on YouTube, and they pray. praying. I wonder if Dan would ever come to Granbury. And they were like, they're praying about it. And here I showed up last year, so I'm back again. But uh, I'm looking around this room, and I'm thinking, man, it's a Saturday morning. And look at all these guys that came and wanted to come and be here. And, and uh, you know, it's a Saturday morning breakfast. I don't think you got drug here as much as, you know, you came because you wanted to. And I just perceive a hunger in the room. The worship's amazing. The songs and... I'm just like, God, I'm so humbled and blessed to be here. So just thank you guys. Thanks for growing, loving Jesus, pursuing Him, going after truth. I mean, we got very young to older folks here today, and we're the body of Christ. And I'm just pumped, man, about it. And, and so, yeah, I'm excited. A young man just came over right before I got up here. He said, hey, man, God used you to truly change my life. I just love you so much. Thank you. I mean, that's priceless. That's payday. It's, it's one thing if I'm preaching clear. It's another thing if people are being transformed and changed and want this gospel, right? Like preaching clear is one thing. You want to preach clear. But it's not like, oh, that was a good sermon. It, if people's lives are being changed, what a payday. Yeah. So I'm just humbled by that, man. We, yeah, we had fun last night talking. I did feel like last night was clear. Were you here last night? Was That was the gospel, wasn't it? I think I preached the gospel last night. I was like, I think I, I think I was guilty of preaching the gospel in your church. <laughs> you know what I felt like? Yeah, I never described it this way, but this is what it seemed like last night. One brother said, man, I watch you. He said, is it getting clearer? And I said, I don't know, but last night just felt right. And uh, I just feel like the Lord wants to hold our hearts in such a countable and gives us every, give us every chance to believe. Like, like he doesn't want blindness in our life. He doesn't want us deceived. He doesn't want us to not hear or not know. So he gives us every chance to see and understand. And that's how I felt like last night was. I felt like it was pretty hard to yell but last night. Like, yeah, but. <laughs> but here's what I felt like in my heart. You know how the, 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 the inspirational art during worship, how these guys just and girls just paint stuff in like 30 minutes of worship and they got this amazing inspired painting. That's how I felt like the preaching was. I, I felt like the, like the Lord painted a picture that you could actually see of what it meant to be a Christian and what his intention was in sending his son. So uh, here's what I'm going to encourage you with this morning. I, I was talking to the guys at my table. I walked up, I was in, uh, Greg, Greg and his precious wife, Marietta, are, are hosting me. And I was back in the room they blessed me with. And I was coming out to the hall and it just hit me. I got, sorry. Yeah, I just, I got really touched by just the honor of the things I get to do and how God, has allowed me to see in my life. And, and I just took time. I just stopped and I said, thank you. I just talked to him like he was standing right there. You get what I'm saying? Come on, guys, listen to me. I talked to him like he was standing right there. Because he is. Amen. And theologically, we know that. But man, we need to know that. Man, we just got to stop right where we are. We just got to start with Him. We got to walk with Him. We just give Him that opportunity in our lives through simple childlike faith, guys. I mean, I had such a precious moment. It's hard for me to talk about it. I'm like, Lord, please, this is rough right now. 
because he's so good. I'm so humbled and overwhelmed, but I was thanking him for gifting, for the ability to communicate, for just the way he lets me see some things and explain it and how it's helping folks. And I, I just had this little time. It was just this little time of intimate thank you on a topic that was so big. It was like my heart just, oh, he's right there, you know. <laughs> it's like, it's priceless. You can't, you can't weigh it. And, and, and here's what I've learned. We, we, we know about God. We have hearts for God. He's touched us in many ways. But we sang it today. Man, I'll just, I'll just pay it all. I'll lay it all. I'll give it all that I might know him. And it's not something we have to strive for. It's something we have to give ourselves to. You don't have to strive for it. He's there to know. You just have to stay in a clear place and understand how he sees you always through the sun so you always have access to him and never pull away. Never let your doctrine, your Bible understanding, your ability to quote scripture, never let those things take the place of knowing him. Like knowing all about him is different than knowing him. You can know all the scriptures. You could pastor for 20 years and have seminary degrees and know all the scriptures and actually not know him. It's just possible. Would you agree? It's possible. I'm certainly not suggesting it's Alan. No. But no, but would you agree? Would you agree? You you could Saul was an expert. There you go. Saul was an expert, but he didn't know him. You can let your knowledge puff you up. You can let your knowledge identify you. You can let your church attendance, your service in the ministry. Honestly, and I'm not going to, this won't confuse nobody. I'm just going to go with it. I'm not going to second guess this. You can let your daily devotion become a trap if you don't have intimacy with Jesus. All of a sudden, your daily devotion takes the place of knowing him. And all of a sudden, your daily devotion is your relationship. So you read a little inspired scripture, it keeps you focused, and you're letting that momentum ride you through the day, so to speak, and then in good faith you do your next day and whatever. But you can actually do that without ever communicating with Him. Let me ask you this. Who's, uh, who's two buddies here and you came today and drove together or you drive together in a car and you're here today? Okay, I got, I got people. Look at this. You guys, okay, okay. Would you guys drive 30 miles in a car and not talk? Would you drive a mile? I know, I met you, I've seen you. <laughs> Where's my other boys? Okay, okay, but, but, but <laughs> there's time you take a nap and stuff, but you say, hey, you're talking, right? You're talking. Look, we, I'm just being serious, and I'm not being, don't, don't be critiqued in this, don't be condemned, be inspired. We drive all the time with Jesus. Non-stop. Everywhere, man. He's always in us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's in me all the time. We'll drive in our minds here, our minds somewhere. We got worship playing. We got songs playing about him. We got messages talking about him. And he's right there in the car. And I'm telling you, we'll drive 50 miles and won't talk to him. I'm just saying. And we don't realize the trick here. The trap. All of a sudden, we're letting the song about him and the teaching about him and the knowledge we have of him actually replace the actual relationship of knowing him. Are you with me? It's not evil. It's not hypocritical. It's not willful. It's not even sinful. 
It's just deceived. We don't realize it. We don't see it. You guys, I can talk so plain to. Man, I'm sitting here in breakfast. I'm looking around. I'm looking at you guys in worship. I just sat for a minute. I gave my heart to Jesus and knelt and just had time with Him. But I sat up for a minute after you guys didn't even know I was looking because you were too this way. So I just took advantage and scanned the room. And I was like, whoa. I mean, you guys was like, your hearts are obvious. Right? Let's take opportunity of this time. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And no one comes to, comes to, not just prays to, comes to. Not just reads about, comes to. Nobody comes to the Father except through me, he said. So is Jesus the way to heaven? Well, that's what we say. But he's really the way back to the Father. Because what got lost was relationship and oneness and union with God. So Christianity is actually union with God, union with deity, God and man becoming one. Christ in me, he's in us. You get it? So there's a place for you and I to commune with God. Paul said in Philippians, and Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, he said in both places, he talked about a communion, a co-union, a fellowship, a koinonia with the person of Holy Spirit. That's intimacy, that's relational. That's you guys driving in the car and just talking. Who's ever just drove with a, with a brother and you got talking about things and you were encouraging each other and, and, and one of the brothers in the conversation cried his heart out or kind of was asking a question in, in a comment and, and he ended up ministering to each other and pouring out and you, you were a little closer afterward and you felt tight and, and you thought about him and when you got home you said, God bless him. And you see what I'm saying? Ah. Oh. Come on, Jesus is that guy in the car. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's a place for walking through the hall where he's just been real, he's becoming real, you're pursuing him, you just talk to him. Just thanks for loving me. You get in the bathroom in the morning, thanks for loving me. You, you got a schedule, you got a plate, you got people pulling on you, you got things you got to do, I get it. But you don't want to do those things without him in you and through you, right? So you're just in the bathroom, you know, and you just that sweet times where it's just communion. And, and it's apart from your prayer time. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with the, the things we do like, you know, oh, I spent my time in prayer. I get that. But relationship, he's in you. Learn to commune with him, talk to him, have fellowship with him all the time. Literally all the time. You're just driving in your car. I so appreciate you loving me. Man, thank you for empowering my heart. The way you see me is amazing. The way you've washed me in your blood. Man, I'm clean in your sight. It would behoove all of us to just start believing this because here's what happens. You start connecting. Your eyes of your understanding start getting enlightened and grace bears witness with the truth in your heart and you start seeing what you're saying. You start knowing it. Even though you might not even have verbiage to explain it, man, you know it. Somebody says, well, how do you know he loves you? Man, I know he loves me. Well, how do you know? And they want an intellectual answer and you can't answer, but the tears in your eyes tell you know. There's nothing that can touch that. That kind of knowing. And if I'd seen one thing stumble good-hearted folks that are pursuing truth is the lack of that knowing. Because that knowing will take you through the trying moments. That knowing will take you through. It will it'll answer all the questions. There isn't questions when there's a knowing. Are you with me? And, and the way we do that is just to be with Him and just commune with Him. 
It's imperative, guys, that we keep our consciences clear, that we continue to see ourselves the way He sees us. When you start crossing the lines of your conscience, that's detrimental to your life because then you start questioning your own integrity, your own self, your own value, your own ability to be with Him. You question how He sees you. You get insecure spiritually. You get insecure relationally. And you get tricked into just going through the motions now because we've learned how to do church, but we're called to be church. Are you with me? This is so important that we see ourselves the way He does and that we understand He sees our lives worth His life. Like, the cross is... I wish we'd just all shout this from the rooftop. No preacher ever told me this in my whole life going to church. Nobody ever said He died on the cross because He saw I had value, purpose, and potential. Everybody said He died on the cross because I was a wretched sinner. So they always came to my life based on depravity instead of purpose. Nobody ever preached the gospel based on purpose. They just told me I needed a Savior because I was lost. Nobody ever told me what found really looked like. They just made it about forgiveness, so forgiveness was the goal. Instead of knowing Him and having relationship and being transformed from the inside out. Nobody ever told me that He believed my life was worth His death. That he actually died on the cross because he saw I had great value. That nobody would pay such a high price. Nobody would pay something so high of a price if they didn't think the purchased possession was worth the value. When I saw that in my bedroom in 1995, it wrecked me. You can see I'm still wrecked. I, I try to hold together to communicate this stuff. No, I'm serious. I'm 25 years in, man. 25 years in of living in the love of God. It wrecks you. It, it makes you solid. It doesn't matter if your wife's struggling. It doesn't matter if your kids are running wild for a season. It doesn't matter who's saying what. You know Him and you understand who He is in you and why you're alive and you won't deviate from it. You get what I'm saying? And, and, and this thing keeps you in that place where you actually have a good track record and you run well and you're not even trying hard. You're just believing right. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not toiling. I'm not laboring. I'm not hanging in there, brother. How you doing? Your wife any better? No. How you doing? Oh, just hanging in there, man. Keep me in prayer. Try not to break. No, I don't even know what that means. Why? Because there's a knowing in me that has crossed the line of knowledge. Are you with me? It's captured my heart. And I know Him now. And I know why He's in me. And I know why I'm here. And I won't deviate. It establishes my value. It's all through Him, so He gets all the glory. It doesn't make me a hot shot. It humbles me to where I can cry a lot about it. It's humbling. It's nothing. There's, you're not even risking pride in this. It's humbling. You with me? So important that every one of us in this room just start here and stay here. God, you love me so much. Thank you. Thank you for the value of my life. Thank you that you see me worthy of your life. Thank you that your death, you believe your death was worth paying to put life inside of me. Empower me, Holy Spirit. I'm ready to go after this thing.
And you just live that way and you talk that way because here's what happens. Inside your heart, your own view of yourself starts to rise in the most healthy way it's ever been and you'll see yourself through Him. You'll see yourself because of Him. And it's not because you've been doing well. It's not because you've earned any good testimony. It's not good works. It's not, it's not works. It's not self-righteous. It's the way He sees me. It's that while I was yet a sinner, He didn't see the sin. He saw the potential. When I was messing up, He saw created value. Love never failed. He never changed his mind and he never lost sight of who I was intended to be from the beginning. So I have to make sure I never lose sight of who I'm intended to be from the beginning. And it gets real muddy in life and it gets real muddy in the old fallen emotional makeup. It gets real muddy in guilt, condemnation, shame, human wisdom in the way that seemeth right to a man. So we have to continue in this thing and fight the good fight of faith and not be conformed to the world but be transformed because we're thinking different. Are you with me? So important. So important because how are we going to run well? How's our lights going to shine if we're just fighting with our own identities? How's our lights ever going to shine? How are we going to have impact if we haven't just settled some things that aren't for sale, that are non-optional? Like condemnation, non-optional. There's no condemnation in Christ. And, and whether I've expressed a little season of weakness here and caught myself and got convicted, I'm never running from Him. I'll never be found naked and ashamed again. I'll never be alone in the garden. I'm going to run to God and stay clothed and let Him sharpen me and make me wiser and receive me and accept me and empower me because I'm going to run to Him. I'm not going to run from Him. I found a lot of men live with secrets in their lives. And they're letting the emotions they're going through as Christian take the place of a good, clear conscience and a healthy identity. But yet when it comes right down to it, they look in the mirror and they see what's wrong with them or what they believe is wrong with them or they see their weakness and they can't see their potential and, and their, their, their view is skewed, their value is skewed and all of a sudden they can't see clear and they don't have the confidence to go come to Him. Are you with me? I've pastored long enough. I've learned this. I ask a lot of questions. I'm very personal with people when I'm alone with them and I take time to counsel. I want to understand. I want to be able to help them. And I've done a lot of survey stuff in my life and question stuff in my life. And I've found that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have never just communed with God and just talked to Him like a friend and a father. Because they never just stopped during their day and said, thanks for loving me. I so appreciate you value me. They've said, well, nobody's ever even taught me that. Nobody's even said I could do that. So I've learned that people don't even think that way, let alone live that way. They pray about stuff. They got their prayer list. They pray about the things that concern them. They have a prayer list, a prayer life list. But not an intimate communion where you grow up into Him. Where you receive His love. And His love becomes your revelation. Are you with me? One of the reasons that, and you know, the promise keepers bless their hearts. I'm not saying anything negative about promise keepers. Uh, it seemed like it was, uh, was becoming, a, I'm not, don't hear this negative. It was becoming, a, and there's a place for repentance, but it was almost like everybody's got to have secrets and we're all, we're all just men living, trying to get by. Let's just break and fall on the Lord. And let's let it all. And, 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 and that's good for a first promise keepers when you go. But man, you don't want to be, this is your fifth promise keepers and you were up there balling every year. Then we got to start learning how do I walk this thing out? 
Don't hear me. I'm not slamming promise keepers. What I'm saying is we, we have to go beyond repentance. We have to understand where to go after repentance. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm not saying it wasn't sincere. I'm not saying it's not sincere. But you'd be amazed as a minister in the position I'm in, if I go in a certain strain and tone and minister a certain way, how you can provoke tears and how you can find repentance. But if you don't give an answer after repentance, you have to teach people they're not what they're repenting of. They're something higher. You've got to lead them into this. And I've learned that, 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 that a, lot of, a lot of guys don't feel real good about themselves or they tend to just get in denial with it and they don't deal with it. They think, well, everybody got their stuff and... And I'm like, stop, no, Jesus didn't have his stuff. So who are we following, each other or him? Are we following our past resume or are we following his calling? So is our weakness our highest strength? Or let the weak say I'm strong? Come on. I know you're all with me. I can feel it. Not just because there's a couple of excited shouts. I can just tell you're getting what I'm saying here. We, we got answers. We don't have issues. We got answers. And the only reason we've had issues, it, it stems to our identity. It stems to how an individual sees himself. When there's, a, when there's a repetitive action in a person's life, when a man has an addictive behavior, uh, it doesn't have to be gross and vile. And it, it's just something that violates his conscience, that stains his view. It's because he doesn't know, clearly see clearly who he is and how valuable and precious his life is to God. It's, I'm telling you, you can go back to it all the time and nail it. It's, it's actually a blueprint practically. Like it's, it's close to 100% of the time. Any kind of repetitive behavior in our life that violates our conscience comes from a low esteem, a, a, a lack of identity where the individual doesn't see the glory of who he's created to be and doesn't accept and receive his value through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he weighs his value based on performance, memory, and past practice. Because he has a level of integrity, he's trying to do better, but he believes he'll fail. So it becomes works and energy and tired and oh well and discouraged again and don't even know if I want to try again because I'm tired of failing again. And At best, it's like a, a spiritual New Year's resolution that's made to be broken. Are you with me? But I promise you this. When you have this intimacy, this relationship, you're just talking about, thank you for valuing me. I so appreciate that you see me totally apart from sin, that you've washed me clean and made me holy, blameless, and above reproach in your sight. It's Colossians 1. It's in your Bible, 20 and 21. It's there. It says you, you, right now, you, through the blood, are holy, blameless, above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the hope in which you heard and aren't moved away. So first of all, you have to hear the hope. Second of all, you have to make sure you keep believing and aren't moved away. So let me paraphrase what he's saying. You're holy, blameless, and above reproach if indeed you keep believing that and don't let anything, any feeling, any emotion, any rationale change your mind. So wonder if you start every day holy, blameless, and above reproach. Wonder if you wake up every day righteous in his sight and you don't try to be righteous, you receive righteous. Wonder if you don't ever again wake up and in integrity try not to sin, but you actually wake up and declare you're free from it and thank you for the power of the Spirit God that's in me that empowers me to live in you and live righteous. And all of a sudden you're not trying to not, you're not trying to not sin. You're thanking God you're free. 
And you're reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive to God, and now you're answer-driven. You're not troubleshooting. Because when you're troubleshooting, you're always aware of failure. It's like you're taking a test that He never laid on the desk. And then you end up grading your own scores. You with me? I'm telling you, it's the biggest thing. The reason I'm talking about this, it's the biggest limiter of intimacy with God. Because men don't see the value. They don't have confidence. They're not unveiled. They can't just run into His presence when nobody's looking because they don't feel that good about themselves. Then you get reduced to people needing to compliment you. You can get caught in serving and feeling and just get an accolade. Hey man, you're awesome. And you heard Him and you say, what would you say? You're awesome. And you just need to hear it again. <laughs> You're like, whoa. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is not the way it is, right? You don't need that. You don't want that. It's, 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 it actually, I know we're supposed to encourage one another, but it concerns me when that means so much to the individual. There's a place where people are hurting, they're young in the Lord, they don't understand, and who knows, they need a word in due season, and they, somebody get a thing in their bedroom, and they come out, and they meet them, and they say, hey, I saw you in prayer today, and I just want to tell you, and God, ooh, and, it's, and that's awesome. But at some point, we have to keep leading people into a place where they don't need that and depend on that because they see the truth about themselves in Him. There's no other way to establish that than being with Him. I say it all the time. I feel emotional for some reason. I don't know why, but I'll fight it off. I do my hands like this. I'm not even sure why, but I've done this my whole life. I hold my hands like this like it's something I'm holding. On. And I say, there's nothing that compares to my God-given ability to be with Him. Seeing the sick healed is amazing. Getting a word of knowledge is just sitting on a plane and hearing something for the person beside you and watching them tremble is really cool. But there is nothing, nothing that comes close to the ability to be with Him. When nobody's around and be standing in his presence and know you're received, accepted, and loved. <laughs> There's nothing. There's nothing even close. <laughs> That's so real to me right now. Like he's just touching me in a real sweet way, like, and I'm here in front of you all. <laughs> so I don't know why he's doing it quite like that. Because <laughs> I try to behave. I try not to seem flaky, but I'm about ready to fly from flower to flower right now. <laughs> There's nothing that compares to our God-given ability to be with Him. That's to know Him. Paul said, I'm doing these things that I might, not that I might fulfill His will, not that I might accomplish the gift and the calling that He gave me, that I might Think that's something? There's something powerful about you and me waking up in the morning. Waking up at three in the morning and you're holding off, you gotta go to the bathroom, you just laid there for a half hour aware of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody, right? And you somehow, you somehow, after all these years, you think you're gonna go back to sleep and it's gonna go away. <laughs> But you're cuddly and you're comfortable. And a half hour later, after being awake, you crawl out and go go to that bathroom, right? There's just something amazing about communion with God all the time. There's something about amazing going to bed at night, like the psalmist says, with thankfulness. 
and waking up that way in the morning. I've learned this. I'll pass it on. The way you go to bed at night really dictates how your morning looks. Sometimes what we call clinical depression even. I know there's a, a studied clinical depression. I get that. But a lot of times what we call prescribed or de de defined depression is going to bed continually with the wrong mentality. If you go to bed as an escape from your day and the only time you said God was when you hugged your pillow and said, oh God, I'm glad this day's over. Can't believe I made it. You're going to have a real hard time having any faith to get up in the morning and move forward into what you hardly got through. If your day was that challenging in reality, so let's be practical and let's not be in denial. And your day was that challenging and you had all kinds of things and it was hard to get through. Man, the greatest thing you can do is get to your bed at night and go to bed in thankfulness. Wow, Father, what a challenge today. I'm so glad I got through. Man, I believe your grace is in my life and I appreciate it and I thank you for wisdom in my life. And I'm not dreading tomorrow. Today had enough of its own. I'm just enjoying you and I just thank you for your love, your grace, your power in my life and, and your wisdom. And God, I'm just going to sleep and I'm just enjoying your presence and I just thank you. You're so good. Man, if tomorrow comes and you don't come and take us all away in the night or something and tomorrow comes, God willing, man, I'm just looking forward to meeting you, knowing you, seeing you and you empowering me to live everything you created me for. Man, bless you, Lord. I love you so much. And you crawl in bed and you wake up in the morning and you actually got your heart in him. I'm telling you, it will absolutely change the way you wake up. That's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Things just happen in your heart when you go to bed with unresolved. When you go to bed frustrated and angry, it decides you in the morning. It's molding you somehow at night. You see what I'm saying? Continue relationship, communion, fellowship. Man, don't have tension in your home and then go to bed tense. Get peace. Make peace. Talk to your spouse. Say, listen, baby, I'm sorry. I know I just reacted. To, I know this. You could say, well, it's not even me. It's her. Well, make sure where she is doesn't determine where you are or you'll have no capacity to shine in the morning. In fact, you'll be on eggshells wondering if she's better yet. And you'll, it'll make you different. You'll be extra quiet. You'll be on the defensive. Or you'll be doing something in the kitchen. You won't even say good morning because you're waiting to see where she's at. And you're waiting for her to manifest. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, without relationship with the Lord, we're at the mercy of one another. At the moment, and our emotions at best is going to rule our decisions. It's not cool. Because the emotions that you and I grew up with, who learned that they're not real cool? That they're all hinged on a self-centered motive and they don't produce a lot of life. If any at all ever. Right? So I want that to all be realigned through communion and relationship and I want to respond in Christ. So even if there was tension at night and even though if my wife was, if I even couldn't minister to her, if she was, if she was in a place where she was unreachable, man, in the morning, I don't want that to carry over. I don't want to start the next day where we ended this. I want to wake up, commune with God, Hey, good morning, girl. Yeah, whatever. Before you leave, you just rub her shoulders from behind if you have to, and you're not desperate, and you're not insecure, and you're not trying to get a rise out of her, or a compliment, or a positive word, so you go to work and be okay. Nope, you're just imparting the whole time. You're not threatened by where she's at, guys, when you're in fellowship with God. I'm just telling you, it's real. This is real. You're not threatened by where she's at if you're in fellowship with God.
your desire is to love her and impart to her and you rub her shoulders from behind. Listen, I, I know we have had a tough time communicating the last 12 or so hours. just want you to know I love you. And I'd love to talk to you, you know, after work's done today. Just know I love you, baby. And you kiss her on the back of the head. You don't even make con, you don't even force words out of her and you just slip out the door just because you're a peacemaker. You can know in your heart she's a thousand percent wrong. But don't let your focus on her being so wrong keep you from walking in righteousness. Because you can get so right that you end up wrong. Are you with me? She can be a thousand percent wrong. What's that have anything to do? Were you ever a thousand percent wrong where God was concerned? Were you ever? Yeah? And did he come and love you anyway? And did he tell you you're more than what you were doing? And did he give you a hope and a future and wash you clean and forget that it ever happened? Somehow we forget the way we've been loved by God. And especially if we haven't received the love that way, then we're never really truly touched by it. The Lord told me this. He said, people that struggle, I ask him about it because I pastor and, and you, you work with people and, you know, and sometimes it just seems like somebody ain't getting it. And you're like, what else can I say? I've said everything. And, and your heart goes out to them. You're not frustrated. You, they don't weary you. I promise you when you understand it's not like that. You care for them. And I said, Lord, why do people, some people just seem to struggle so much with unforgiveness? Like they're, they're so touchy. They hold accountable. They've got these memories and it's detailed. And, and they're just like, they, they just snap. And they get so angry at people. And they've they, they got this unforgiveness going on. The Lord said, people that struggle with unforgiveness in their life have never tasted the beauty of what it means to be clean in my sight. They don't see the beauty of being forgiven. They've never enjoyed being forgiven. Now, you think about that. That hit me like a ton of bricks, man. I was like, whoa. If I taste and see he's good, if I know he's forgiven me of everything I've ever done, and I've been washed by that thing and I'm clean, and I know I'm guilty in action. I know I'm guilty in memory. I know I'm guilty in past practice. I know right up until the moment he forgave me, I was guilty. And all of a sudden, I know he forgives me, and I believe that, and I take the veil off and have communion with him, and, and I receive him like he's received me. And all of a sudden, I see myself the way he sees me. What he's telling me is that's so powerful and impacting that when you look out this way, you see others the way he saw you. And it challenges your right to see them any way outside of how he has seen you. So if you don't receive forgiveness, how are you going to walk in forgiveness? If you don't receive love, how are you going to become love? If you have a guilty conscience and your identity skewed, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself and your view of you might not be clear. So if you're nitpicky, fault-finding, self-condemned, you'll see what's wrong with everybody instead of their potential. It's just the way you'll respond because it's the way you see yourself. If you see yourself in Christ and you love God with all you are, you'll love your neighbor as yourself. The clearer view you have of yourself in God, the better view you have of the room. You get what I'm saying? It's spiritual. It's principle. It's this, in those two laws, you can hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that you're commanded to fulfill is fulfilled in that one arena called love. What is 630 whatever laws out there? You know, there's a lot of them to break. <laughs> They're all fulfilled in these two. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it. So he ties the two to make them really one. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Well, we got a problem right now. I wonder if you don't see yourself like he sees you and you don't love yourself the way God does. Well, then you love your neighbor as yourself, then you might not even like yourself. You with me? This is huge. It's huge. And, and I'm crying it out with passion to a group of men that I respect and honor and don't even hardly know well, but man, I can perceive your hearts and I'm blessed you're here. I looked around in worship and I thought, wow, these guys. I, I, I feel like, don't hear this weird. Don't, don't, you know, don't have to correct me on this and say, none is good but God and get spiritual. I feel like I'm in a room with a bunch of really good men. That's what I feel like in my heart. I'm not saying that to win your favor. I'm saying that because that's what I believe and perceive. That there's a room here of guys, guys that are open for God, that are seeking God the best they understand God. And what I felt in my heart was this compassion as a brother to say, man, don't you live in secret condemnation? Don't you see yourself apart from how God sees you? And don't give yourself to things that violate your conscience because that reveals your value needs to increase in your own sight. Just don't be messing around with that thing. Your conscience isn't a toy. It's a precious organ. And in your spiritual walk, your conscience is as valuable as your human heart in the flesh. I promise you, you have to guard your heart and keep your conscience clear. Paul said, I always purpose to keep a clear conscience before you. His conscience was tender and pure and clear. You have to keep it clear. Why? Because if you violate your conscience, you shipwreck faith. You with me? You can't second guess your identity. You can't second guess your value. You can't second guess the finished work of Christ just because of your actions or a blunder or a slip. You can't let your mind become your own worst enemy and not challenge it with the gospel. You can't be like, well, yeah, you're really not pure. Oh, yeah, man's breakfast. And look how you just said it. Look what you just said. You're a phony. You're a fake. Who's ever heard their mind try to condemn them in a moment? I don't care how rational it sounds. It can't be the Lord. While you were yet a sinner, he sent his son. He's not saying those things. That's not inspired by God, and it's not inspired by truth or wisdom. It's rationale, and it's the way that seems right at best. Are you with me? Because in that, there's no answer. There's discondemnation. And your value slowly sinks, in, and then you don't have the confidence to go to Him. So when you do try to go to Him, you feel self-conscious and you feel like you got to take 10 minutes, 20 minutes to get past yourself. And now you're just telling God how bad you are or how much work you need. or God, if you don't do something with my old wretched heart, I don't know what, but I've been trying. That's not prayer. That's deception. Here's what it can look like. Wow, Father, I have so much conviction in my heart. Man, I realize that Early this morning, that was so not your will or your heart in me. That's not who you are in me. That's who I never desire to be. God, I thank you for loving me, forgiving me, giving me the wisdom and showing me the truth that even that exposes that. Man, four months ago, I wouldn't even saw that. But man, I know that's not who you are in me. God, that's just not us. So thank you for washing me. I'm sharper, wiser, smarter. I'm ready to run well. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Keep empowering me. But man, I never want to look down on a man again. I never want to have that motive in my heart again. Man, I want to love like you love. And I want to be like you are. And I thank you. <sighs> That's how you walk through weakness. You don't call a friend crying and say, pray for me. And he's the third guy you call. Hello? We're notorious for that, man. We think that's repentance. Repentance is to turn. It's change the way you think. So if you keep talking about the problem and asking for prayer with tears, that, that, that there's deception in that in a moment. 
I'll tell you something the Lord did for me really personal in Tennessee. I was at a church and he messed me up and it wasn't good. And I hope he never does it again. I hope he waits till I'm alone. But for some reason, he did it in front of the church. But I was ready to preach. And, the, you know, you, you, you know what a song service is like. You, you know, it's, it's worship and it's real and it's powerful. But they still know you're there. You're the guest speaker. And they kind of have a plan. And, hey, we're going to do these three songs. If it's really happening, we'll stretch that out and sing it again. And if it's really high in the room, we might do this fourth song. But at some point, Dan's coming up. You know that. So I'm there. And I could tell... It was getting really close to where I was about ready to come up. And right then, God just breathed on me and loved on me. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, if you come up and prophesy to me from the Lord and say, for the Lord says He loves you and He's proud of you, it would probably get me emotional if, if, if I perceived the, the Lord saying that through you. But when He comes, He just breathed on me and said, love you. Really proud of you. Man, I love you. And I'm like, stop. Like, really, it was, you don't have no idea how terrible it was. It was so good, so overwhelming, and so emotional that I'm a blubbering mess and I'm supposed to be preaching in the next couple of minutes. And I can't even see through my eyes at all. I got stuff coming out of every pore. I'm like, and I'm like, and I tried to pull out of it and I couldn't. And I finally got down on the floor and I was just done. People were probably thinking, what is wrong with Dan? Because I mean, I'm talking, he's going, love you. It's like, out of you. And it was so overwhelming, it didn't feel like I could make it through. I'm laying there ball, and it's not a joke. I went through a whole box of Kleenexes. It was ugly. I tried to get up three times. I'd get halfway up. I looked like a punch-drunk fighter. I was just trying to stand up, and he'd go. <clears throat> finally, it takes a while sometimes. You know, our wisdom is slow working sometimes. I Finally, I thought, you know what? I don't know why you're doing this to me, God, but I bet you know I'm about ready to preach. You probably read the bulletin. Like, you probably know that I'm supposed to preach. And yet you're still doing this right now. I said, so you know what? I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm done fighting. I'm done caring about preaching and what I look like. And I used like my last tissue in the box. It was, I'm not joking. I had tissues piled up. And right then, my elbow lifted, and I looked open my eye. I'm looking through tears. So I saw fingernails. I knew it was a lady. She slid a box of Kleenex, fresh box, under my elbow. <laughs> so now I'm armed and ready, man. Let's have it on. That's just, woo! <laughs> All I needed was somebody to just hang a little something over me, you know, a little hoop under there. I hide under the present floor. So I'm laying there, and I'm crying, and I just gave in. I gave in. I was like, okay. Do whatever you're doing, have your way, but I ain't fighting this because you know I'm supposed to preach and you don't seem to care about that. So I don't know what you're saying and what you're doing, but thanks for loving me and thanks for telling me you're proud of me. That's so humbling, I can't even handle it. And I'm there talking to the Lord and, and here's what he said right out of the blue. He said, now I knew what he meant because he was talking to me. He said, do you know why you live the way you do? That's a pretty amazing question. People say to me, man, you seem like you make it so easy. Man, you just seem like you just get it. Man, you just, I get all these comments from people a lot of times, especially people that know me for years. One, one thing that my peer group, my friends, the people that have known me for years, the testimony I have is consistent. What you see is what you get, and you always know it's going to be that way. You can call Dan anytime, and he's the same. That's the testimony I have in my peer group with my friends. And they respect that. It's awesome. He said, do you know why you live the way you do? And I knew what he meant. 
It's never been hard. It's easy. I can't even explain how easy it is. It would get somebody frustrated that struggled. He, he said, you know, because every day I wake up, I'm just okay. Every day I wake up, I'm just blessed. I have this joy in my heart that I don't look for. It's just there. And he said, do you know why you live the way you do? And I answered him just like you would because I answered him right. I said, because you're amazing and your grace is sufficient and there's none like you and God, you're so merciful and good. And I started to worship the Lord in my heart, just like you would have. Wouldn't you answer that way? Because we know we are what we are by the grace of God. We know apart from him we're nothing, right? We understand that. So I tell the Lord the answer, and he chuckled in my heart and said, that ain't the answer I'm looking for. I said, it's the only answer. And then you start questioning the voice you're hearing, because it's the only answer. He knew my struggle. I didn't say it. I'm just thinking it's the only answer. There is no other answer. You get all the glory. I would be nothing. With your grace is sufficient for me. I, without you, I'm nothing. Jesus, John 5, Jesus knows that. So I'm thinking that in my mind, and he laughed. I heard him chuckle. And he said, that's not the answer I'm looking for. And I'm like, it's the only answer. He said, Dan, everything you said about me in worship is true. But everything you said about me needs a place to land in your life to be your reality. It's one thing if it's your words. It's another thing if it's your truth. And he said, let me tell you why you live the way you do. And I'm thinking, I better listen. Now listen to what he said. This is amazing. He said, on the night you got saved, you were sin conscious and saw your need for me. On the night you got saved, you saw your need for me. You saw the wickedness of your heart. Because it was an amazing, I, I, did, oh, I saw my heart. It was a very bad picture. Here's what he said. You were sin conscious for a moment and you needed, or you were sin conscious that night and you saw your need for me. But on that night you got saved, you were only sin conscious for a moment. And ever since that moment, You've been a son in your heart. Did you get it? I've never been sin in my heart. I've never been, oh, well, God must be, wow, I messed up. Boy, I missed it. Ever since that moment, I've been received by Him. Even in my weakness, even in my growing pains, even in my whatever, even in my youthful zeal without understanding and stepping out and foot in mouth. and A son. Son. So if I believe I'm a son, guess what my life will start looking like? Sonship. If I believe I'm forgiven, guess what I'll look like? Like I'm free and forgiven. If I believe I'm righteous, guess what my life will start to bear the fruit of? Righteousness, because I'm a tree of righteousness. Guess who planted me? Planting of the... That He might be glorified. Sounds like the gospel. Sounds like Christianity. Sounds like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Yeah? He said, the reason you live the way you do is because you were sin conscious for a moment and saw your need for me. But ever since that moment, ever since that moment, you've been a son in your heart without option. You have no other option. I'm a son. I'm accepted in the beloved. Even if I was wrong, I have to let sonship readjust and align and Grow and condemnation's never the answer. Guilt's never the answer. Shame's never the answer. Drawing back's never the answer. Seeing myself less than he paid for is never the answer. Getting real, brother, and saying, well, yeah, but I'm, 
No, no, no. We're already real when we're repenting. We're already real when we're seeing that stuff. When conviction shines light on it, come on, we see it. We don't have to do an essay on it. We don't have to camp there for a week. You with me? Because I promise you, the longer you camp there, the more it stains your identity, and the more you think what you've been through is who you are, and what you did is who you are. That's why you tell it to the second guy. That's why you say it two weeks later to another brother, and it should have been resolved three weeks ago. Because your heart cried three weeks ago. And when your heart cried, it's not you anymore. And repentance should be godly sorrow, not worldly regret. And it should lead to vindication and transformation and change, not regret that produces death. It's the world's way of handling life. Come on, it's 2 Corinthians 7. It's there. You guys with me? He, he said that to me. Help me. He, he was talking. See, it's one thing. It's one thing if I say, hey, man, God really loves you. And I look to you and I tell you, God really loves you. Who knows I'm always right? Who knows it's the best prophetic word you could ever utter? You'll never be wrong. Hey, man, God loves you. God loves you. It's one thing for me to say God loves you. It's another thing for you to be loved by God. To just theologically say, hey, God loves me. No, no. For you to be loved by God is the transformation of your life. You're going you're gonna to be loved by God when you accept your value in Him. When you see that the blood of Jesus was shed because He saw purpose in your life. You start talking to Him that way. You get alone with Him. I know I have great purpose. I know you want to live in me and shine through me and love through me. You would have never paid your life if you didn't want to put your life inside of me. I received that life. I'm so humbled by it. Man, all that I am, I give to you. So all that you are, you can be in me. Thank you, God, for making me a tree ripe for the picking. God, I love you so much. That kind of prayer life and talk, you say, man, I don't talk. That sounds fluent. Well, that's just me. I've, I've been in this thing for a long time. You just meet God where you're at and let it be answer conscience and let it righteous conscience and you set your mind on things above. You see what I'm saying? It's just huge. I can't even, I can't even probably explain the magnitude of how big I see it. You and me having personal union time with God, just stopping in that hallway and talking to Him like He's standing right there because He is. Not just thinking in your mind, not just, your mind's never, people say, well, I'm just looking for some quiet time. You're never quiet. Your mind, man, you can have, you can have, you can have that calm thing playing on your, and you can have that, your mind's still over here. When's it ever shut down? When's it ever just shut down? So you got to harness that thing. Set your mind. Set your mind. Colossians 2. Set your mind. Or 3. On things above. You see what I'm saying? Not the things of the earth. Why? Because you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, you're going to appear with Him in glory. Ain't that something? So nothing compares with our ability to be with Him, guys. If you don't continually see yourself the way He sees you, you won't have confidence to approach Him. You'll get self-conscious. Are you with me? If you don't constantly view yourself the way He views you through the sun, the blood speaking better things. The opinion you have of yourself, it doesn't mean we're not humble and, and, and growing and and aware of the things we need to grow in and increase. But we're not letting those things cross over into our identity. Our identity rests in Him. We're accepted in the beloved. We're righteous in His sight. I'm going to live from that place. I say it this way. I think you'll follow me. I say it all the time. If you don't start where He finished, you'll never run well. 
in integrity, you'll actually try to accomplish something he already did on the cross. Your fight isn't with sin. Your fight's with a good fight of faith. Your fight is to continue to believe who you are now that he came. Your fight's not with sin. Your fight is the good fight of faith. Your fight is to continue to believe the truth about your life now that you're in Jesus. That's your biggest fight. And how many times do we get removed from the fight of faith and get in some other fight? We're over here in some other cage fighting and we're locked in there, man. And we're tapping <laughs> and getting all beat up. You're in the wrong ring. You're in the wrong cage. You know what I'm saying? Your fight is not people. It's not flesh and blood. It's not with yourself. Your fight is the good fight of faith. It's you continuing to believe what He says about you through His cross in the face of it all. And that's how you continue to grow up in all things. You can't, you can't look back. You've got to forget what Paul said. Forget what lies behind. You've got to forget what lies behind. We're the bride of Christ now. We're not Lot's wife. We're, we're the bride of Christ. We're not looking back. When you look back, what it does is it stalls you from where you were delivered from and where you're supposed to be going. You never get there because your eyes are behind you. Totally. Well, actually, she was frozen. Isn't that amazing? So there was, and he said, because you run into things, you're looking back, and you will. You're just, it's totally a confused scenario. You can't, you got to look up from whence comes your help. You can't say, yeah, but man, I mean, every time I start getting it right, I mean, Man, this goes back like two years, dude. I did, 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 did. But here's what's happening. You're giving yourself away. You're actually answering your own dilemma. You're still identifying yourself from two years back. And that, that bled, bled out into eight months ago and four months ago and two months ago. So your testimony of your fruit and actions is bearing witness of your worst fears. And now you're labeling and identifying yourself through wrong believing. You have yourself stereotyped for the last two years. You have no hope for change because this is who I am. So at best, you're trying to stop doing whatever it is you're doing. But because you have a low value and you see yourself and now you're into works and you're striving and all of a sudden you only live up to how the level you see yourself. If you can raise a man's value and teach him who he is, he'll live up to the value he beholds. He'll know he's worth more than a certain feeling, worth more than a certain action, worth more. Pornography is a big deal among men. We always talk about it. They say, they say, Greg, that they do studies they say 50, I don't know, I hope it's not true. They say 50% of men in full-time ministry have pornography issues. 50%. Here's the deal. It's not a spirit of addiction. You don't need a demon always cast out of you when you're into stuff like that. Here's what it does. When you're bound in pornography, it tells you you don't know who you are. You don't see the value of your life, nor do you see the value of others' lives. You're exploiting all that to feed one thing called flesh. And it's fantasy. It has nothing to do with nothing. It'll produce no fruit in the end. It's just buying time you don't have. I say it all the time. I say a man born in, or bound in pornography is a man that just doesn't see the value of who he is and he's lost the value of others. So he's living to exploit at their expense for his gain and love lays down its life for others. And it's a shallow, narrow, empty arena that arouses, arouses our flesh and, and we give ourselves to it. It's a selfish, no seed fallen to the ground, dying, barren, abiding alone. I'm convinced of this. A man bound in pornography, his number one root problem of that is he doesn't see the value of who he really is. And because he doesn't see the value of who he really is, he loves his neighbor as himself. And he doesn't see the value of people. 
So he'll lust over a woman instead of cry for her. Because she's deceived. We come down on women a lot, guys. We, 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 we mock. We put, I grew up in locker rooms. I've talked. I've been in round guy groups and before I was saved, especially at work and stuff. But we put down women a lot. We call them whores and loose and hookers. And, oh, she's so cheap. She sells herself. But what about the men that are obliging them? What about the man that's patroning the prostitute? What about the man that's paying for the oral sex? He wants to demean her and call her worthless, but he's getting an act of oral sex from the girl. He's not called to receive from her vulnerability for his flesh. He's called to give her the kingdom and give her Jesus. He's going to be found so extremely guilty, he might be more guilty than her because she's so deceived. A man is never called to take advantage of a vulnerability of an individual. You're supposed to give every person the kingdom. Why are we so tempted by a woman that makes herself available when our whole reason for being on the earth is to give her Jesus? When a man builds himself in relationship and commune with God and sees the value of who he is, all these things pass away and you'll wonder why you ever struggled with him in the first place and you'll realize it's because you didn't know who you were and because you didn't know who you were, you couldn't see the value of their life so you lived at their advan- or your advantage through their weakness. Are you with me? It's totally true. Like, 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 like a woman flags you down at an intersection and makes herself available to you and says, hey, it's discount night, baby. Why would a man that knows Jesus even be close to tempted by that? Man, his heart should be so moved for her salvation. You're not here to take advantage of her weakness. You're here to give her the kingdom. You see? And I'll tell you, that'll throw her. I was looking for a lady who backslid and I was going to find her. I was in a crack house. I was sitting at another crack house. I just didn't know which door it was, but don't take long to figure it out. And Because I, I grew up in the city. I'm streetwise. I, I, I'm sitting there and I'm looking for this girl. i got to find this girl. I'm going to find her. And I was crying. And this lady peeked in my truck. Hey, honey, what you doing in this part of town? And I said, you're asking me the wrong question. The real question is, what are you doing in this part of town? Look, watch this, guys. I'm in fellowship with God. Watch. She is, I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in the kingdom. She has zero. She's zero temptation in my life. Zero. Zero. Oh, see how aggressive I say that makes me feel good. Zero. Because I couldn't always say that. I didn't always get that. I didn't always understand that. But now that Jesus has come, oh, I get it. She has zero temptation in my life. Why? I'm not on the earth to take advantage of her vulnerability. I'm on the earth to give her kingdom and lay down my life. <laughs> so I just told her, you know, I said, you're asking the wrong question. If you had any idea who you were, you wouldn't be in town doing what you're doing, honey. The question is, who are you? What are you doing in this part of town? She knew the lady I was looking for. And I ministered to her big time. You know why the Bible says that we're to avoid the appearance of evil? Because if it's only the appearance and it's not evil, why should we avoid it? We avoid the appearance of evil because men think evil. And God's so humble, he tells us, hey, don't stumble each other with evil appearance. Just avoid it. Why do we think evil? Because we're not perfected in love because love thinks no evil. Wow, what a solid message. I was pastoring in that season. What would people in my congregation have been tempted to do if they'd have saw me, they know my vehicle, they'd have seen that girl leaning in my window talking, what would have been the first thing in most people's minds? 
falling apart. Oh my gosh, not Pastor Dan. I thought he was the real deal. For once, I thought I met a man that knew Jesus. I've been going to his church, and now he's just messing around. I can't believe he just picked up that girl. Now they're calling three different friends. Look, we need to pray. By morning, the whole church knows what happened, and nobody even talked to me yet. This lady told me where my girl was. I seen her. She was working out an alleyway. Two dealers standing there. It was crazy. Long story. I won't get into it. I said, why do you do what you do? She started crying. She said, it's my babies, my babies. I'm trying to support my babies. You know, Holy Spirit will give you wisdom, right? I said, honey, stop. You could work at Walmart and support your baby. You're addicted, aren't you? You have an addiction. I said, come here. I started crying. Totally freaked her out. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. She ain't never been loved. In her life, she's been used. She's so diminished. She's so rock bottom. She has no value whatsoever. She's driven into survival. And now I'm crying. And she's sitting in the car and she freaked out. I never saw a woman freak out like this. She's swatting at the air. She don't look like she can see. She's going, why? It was like a manifestation. She said, why do you care so much? Why do you care so much about me? Freaking out, swinging at the air. Why do you care so much about me? I reached in through the chaos and grabbed her. I said, because I know who you are. She said, you keep saying you know me. I said, your life is on purpose. There's a time to be born. God saw you before the foundation of the world. Here you sit. Your life is from him. I know you. She fell on me like she was my daughter, and I just held her. I wrote all this information down and got her information to a girl's ministry. And I kissed her on the forehead and prayed one more time with her. And I watched her run down that alley crying. I bet you she at that moment had no capacity to go back on the corner for a while. And I'm trusting God used that as a seed in her life. You say, well, did she get saved? I don't know, but I gave her Jesus. And I feel like she looked into his eyes. And she was so freaked out. And you got to start somewhere. you got to sow if anything's going to grow. But here's what I learned. She never had been loved in her life like that. By nobody. But Jesus loves her. You and I carry that privilege in our lives. Don't let anything shut it down. You and I have that purpose in our lives. Every man I'm talking to, everybody on the earth, but I'm talking to you guys. I'm cheering you on. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Because what's that going to look like in the end? That's sure going to beat some fleshy moment of pleasure. That's something eternal. That's going to stand before the king and bring glory to his name forever. (laughs) I promise you, you want that in your life. Are you with me? We want that in our life. So don't let anything keep you from Him. Fellowship, commune with Him, talk to Him. You say, well, it doesn't feel real. Stop. Don't you talk. You're the only one that can keep you from Him. You're the only one. The devil can't even do that. You believe in lies. You whatever. It's not even the devil. It's you believe in wrong things. You're the only one that can keep you from Him. And He paid the price to get to you. While you didn't even care. And now that you care, make sure you're there. 
<laughs> that even rhymed. <laughs> Are you with me? I know I was passionate and everything about all this, but hey, come on. He thinks our lives are worth it. He rules his kingdom with a scepter of righteousness. You got to wake up every day and know you've been made right, made clean. You got to wake up every day and receive his love and grow up in him and all things by communion with him and Holy Spirit. Talk to Holy Spirit, guys, all the time. Holy Spirit, I appreciate you in my life. Thanks for giving me wisdom today. Thanks for bearing witness of Jesus and manifesting him in my life. Man, I look to you today. Thanks for empowering me. You're going to work. Don't get tricked. Don't, don't turn into a complainer. Don't think it's the grindstone. Don't let your boss get on your nerves. Go to work with new nerves. See it as a tool, a privilege to earn an income, but most of all, a mission field and a place to shine. And you don't have to project. Just live every day in truth. You don't have to Bible thump nobody. Just live every day in truth. When I worked at work, I worked with a bunch of men for 13 years. So I wasn't going to go in there and just start shouting Jesus and preaching Jesus because I saw some other guys do that and quickly be back in the bars drinking. All they did was go to a pastor to get their marriage help or something. And then they, the one guy came in and he's handing out tracts all the time. And everybody's like, what? He's, he's handing out tracts. I asked him what he was doing. And uh, he said, well, the pastor said that if I want God to heal my marriage, I've got to do something for him. So he told me to hand out tracts. It wasn't that he was born again. He was like, I'll do you a favor, you do me a favor. So his marriage, his wife came back, and then he's right back drinking, and he's the same guy anyway. And I was just determined that nobody, I wasn't going to preach to nobody unless they saw change in my life. And if they asked me, I'd be quick to tell. It took four days. Four days they sent a guy in the bathroom, a spokesman for, for all my crew, and they made sure nobody's, I was wondering why nobody's at the wash sink, nobody's nowhere. And I'm in there, I'm like, where's everybody at? Well, it was a setup. They said, stay out of the bathroom, we're going to send him in. When he goes in, he's going to go in, he's going to have him, there'll be nobody around, he's going to get the answers. So I'm out at the wash sink, he comes in, I said, hey man, where is everybody? Like, what? Is my watch right? He said, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's right. He walks in, he looked under the stall. And I said, what are you doing? He said, man, I just want to ask you something. What's going on with you these last few days? What happened to you? I said, what do you mean? Oh, come on, man. I said, what do you... No, wait. He said, well, everybody's talking, man. You're so different. You're like so different. I said, well, give me an example. Like, He said, well, for one thing, you're so polite. It makes me sick. <laughs> so he said, but see, anything that's different than what we've all been just throws a real thing in the fan, man. And all of a sudden, people got to think about their life. And all of a sudden, they don't have power in numbers. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just, man, just You do one good thing, and everybody's in an uproar. <laughs> well, now everybody's going to expect us to do a good thing. <laughs> just, so, man, Jesus caused an uproar in my workplace. I said, well, polite is nothing wrong with polite, man. What are you talking about? They never hurt nobody. Oh, come on, man. He said, you didn't go holy roller on us, did you? I said, holy roller? I said, I don't know nothing about Holy Roller. But I said, I know one thing. And I started to cry. And I said, four nights ago back in that aisle, the whole beehive, God revealed himself to me and he's real, man. And I said, and I'm going to get to know him. He's changed my life. And I was crying. He said, oh, man. We, were, we thought you went Holy Roller. Man, who'd you, who got a hold of you? Did, are you with a group of people? We're afraid for you, man. You, like, you seem like your brain washed. I said, my brain's been washed. I said, I'm telling you. And I stood in the parking lot for two hours with him as he tried to talk me out of everything and tell me I'll be back to normal soon. 
I think he was wrong. We're 25 years in in June. <laughs> I'd have so much fun with him. Three, four months would go by. I'd ride by him on my equipment. I'd say, hey, man, I love him all the more. Oh, get away. Get away from me. i just mess with him. I love him all the more. Oh. He's like, ah. Oh. When I left my job, 15 years at Teamsters Union and benefits and pension, and I left it to go into full-time ministry, it shook everybody. They thought, man, this guy is in this thing for keep. And it's just fun to have that kind of impact for two years in their life. After 13 years of just being one of the guys. And I'd just go to work and I'd live the way I'd live. And they'd come and ask me tons of questions. Because I was different. Not because I went to church. Because I was different. Not because I quoted the Bible. Because I was different. Not because I wore a Christian t-shirt. I was different. And they wanted to know. I'd be in the lunchroom with a whole bunch of guys, and one of them would say, hey, man, this has just been bugging me about you. How come they talked to me about swearing one day? You don't even swear anymore. I said, did you notice I don't even catch myself? It's like it's not even in me anymore. And let me explain what happened, guys. And I just told them about new creation reality and old things passing and all things, and they're like, whoa, that's reading. <laughs> but I saw people at my work get healed. I had a supervisor call me on my day off and ask me how I live the way I live. A supervisor, man. He come to my porch, sat on my porch. I explained the gospel. He got born again right on my porch. A supervisor. I had a man one night. I was talking to a guy. And he was asking me all these questions. And I had a guy sitting right behind me on a forklift right here. He's acting like he's reading the paper. He's chain smoking. He's going through a divorce. He's falling apart. He's a nervous wreck. He's lighting one off of one. Lighting one off of one. He don't know what to do. He's just... People were worried about him. He's standing there, and I, I'm, not, I'm not talking to him. I'm talking to him. He's asking me questions. I got a little bit of time on a break, and I'm pouring out my heart. I don't even realize that much that he's there. The next morning, this man on the forklift calls my house. The next morning. I said, what's going on, man? Hey, I figured this is awesome, because I was praying for him. I was concerned for him. I wanted God to intervene. He called my house. He said, hey, I, I'm sorry to bother you. He said, you are not a bother, man. What's up? You Okay. Well, I'm just freaking out here, man. I said, okay, well, what's going on? Why'd you call me? Well, it has to do with you. I said, okay. He said, you know the divorce? I said, yeah, that's why I figured you called me. I was, I was glad you called, man. Don't think twice about it. He said, no, no, it's not that. You know how I've been chain smoking? I just, I can't even, I light one off of one. I can't. I said, yeah. He said, last night, you were talking to Mike, and I was right behind you on my fork. I said, okay. He said, I just woke up this morning. And realized I have not smoked one cigarette since that moment. He said, and all I know is it has to do with that. Because when you were talking, he said, there was something coming off of you. That's all I can tell you. I felt it was like something coming off of you. It felt like an energy coming off of you on me. And there was a piece I didn't even know. And he said, and I just realized I haven't even thought of lighting a cigarette since then. I said, can I come to your house? Can I just come over? He said, yeah. I said, I'll be right there. I grabbed the Bible and he got saved. I water baptized him in his bathtub. Held him under till every bubble stopped. <laughs> we killed him good. Now, God, please let him live. <gasps> yes. <laughs> and if he don't, we know where he is. <laughs> That's how I baptize. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> you going down to the bubble stop. <laughs> no more bubbles, no more life. <laughs> now we know you're dead. But isn't that sweet? That I'm ministering to him and boom, I leave my job. I got home. I asked the Lord about impact and stuff. He said, Dan, what your life did in there for two years was unstopped. Because you asked what good, you know, was my life fruitful? Did I do enough? You know how we were talking yesterday? Here's what the Lord said. You'll love this. He said, what your life did for two years was unstopped ears that otherwise couldn't hear. How huge is that? Isn't Jesus always speaking? He who has to hear, let. So then Jesus tells me what my life did was unstopped ears that otherwise couldn't hear. Powerful. Why am I telling you this stuff? It's the legacy, the testimony, the potential of every one of our lives. We all have this calling to walk in the light as He's in the light. You will never walk in the light if you don't stay in the light as far as communion, fellowship with God. You won't be inspired to have this if you don't see yourself clear through Him and always stay true to who, how He sees you. You get what I'm saying? That will invoke deeper relationship, intimacy, communion with God, and that will empower your life to live the way we're talking. Make sense? Any questions? Any thoughts? Any concerns? Any corrections? Any anything? What's up, man? While you were yet... It's a great question. What's the practical way to understand your value? It's only through the cross. You only find your value through Jesus. You can only find your true identity through Jesus because nothing was made that wasn't made through Him. Are you with me? So if you're looking for your value in life, you're going to be sorely disappointed. If you're looking for your value through people and loved ones, oh my goodness, there's been major heartbreak there, right? But isn't this true? All of us have been vulnerable to seek out value. From the time we can remember, we wanted appreciated, valued, honored. We, we needed like we felt to be acknowledged, be somebody. We felt like, wow, we really fit in or we don't fit in at all. And if we didn't feel like we fit in, we tried to do something to fit in and sometimes blew it even more. Right? but it's because we were finding our value through a big, broad scale of deception that can never find you. You only can find the value of who you are through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because nothing was made that wasn't made through Him. Any other form of value will be temporal and deceptive. So here's the deal. I've got to look to the cross. The cross is the I love you from God. So I'm rooted and grounded in love because Christ came. If Jesus didn't come, I wouldn't know the love of God. But because Jesus came, I absolutely know the love of God. Are you with me? So I don't know if something popped in my mic or my, my, my thing came. Is it, is it on your end? Okay, I just want to make sure if I had to do anything. Thank you. And uh, so, so the measuring stick of God loving me is Christ crucified, okay? So, so watch this. Even in weakness, failure, repetitive sin, stumbling into something, we tend to, to weigh our value based on our performance, so we, we know our hearts are pure, we want God, and yet we still seem to miss something along the way. And then we let that reflect on our value. That has nothing to do with your value, that has to do with your growth and your revelation. Watch. Before you did anything right, you had value worth the cross, worth the death of the Son of God. Like, before you did one thing positive, He said, I know who you are, you just don't have a clue. What did Jesus say on the cross? Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. What's he saying? They have no clue who they are. Are you with me? 
So a practical way is you look at the cross and you say, wow, you have to love me or you'd have never sent your son. And because you sent your son and he shed his blood, his blood's speaking better things. So I'm washed, I'm clean, I'm forgiven. Oh my goodness, watch. No man comes to God unless he's drawn by him. If you have any remote desire for God, why? Because he's drawing your heart. Why is he drawing your heart? Because he loves you and he wants you. It's just simple. It all goes back to the gospel. So you find your identity through him and him alone, and you stay fixed there. And that's what I mean by start where he finished. Are you getting what I'm saying? Do you constantly say, I'm worth the blood? Oh my goodness, God, you saw sending your son and dying worth my life lived in him. Man, I'm going to get this. No matter where I've been, what I've done, how I've failed, how I've succeeded, I see that you have valued me from the beginning. Thanks for loving me. We ought to all be having that conversation with the Lord until that's a knowing in your heart. Honestly, I don't say that stuff too much anymore verbally. I just see it, know it, and it's just mine. But there was a lot of times I was saying that stuff. I'd be just driving, thanks for loving me. Man, I still agree. I'd look in the rearview mirror every once in a while. I'd catch my eyes. You look at the traffic, and I go, oh, I see you in there. And I'd just get silly, and the Lord would just fill my little truck, feel like I have to pull over and be like, whoa. <laughs> I just won. It's intimacy. So I'm either out of my mind, and it ain't real, and I ought to get a hobby. <laughs> or he is real, and I'm getting to know him. It's one or the other. I'm either cuckooing out there and going, or I'm being built up in him. I love those odds. When I walk in a bedroom and close the door, he's either there or he ain't. So I'm either loco and wasting my time talking to the air, or he's there. I'm betting he's there. You get it? I love those odds. I love those odds. So let's just lay it all down and go after him, put all the chips on the table. But I hope I answered your question. That's as brief and practical as I could do it. It's all through him. Like, 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 you know how when we, uh, when we buy stuff, we, we're notorious, us guys, for, with cars. We're always trying to get them down because we always have these, we know they're marked up. We know they got it at auction for this and they're trying to sell it for this. And even if they're a little under Kelly Blue Book, we know they got it for this. So we're still trying to knock them down because we think they're making too much on us. You know what I'm saying? That's how we do with cars. And here's what we ultimately do. At some point, we decide the value of that car in our mind. And when we write the check for the car, what do we absolutely believe? That the car you're buying is well worth it or you'd have never paid for it. In fact, you believe you got a bargain when you buy it. Now you think about the blood of Jesus. Wonder if God sheds the blood of Jesus and raises his son from the dead and believes he got a bargain. Because <laughs> he got you out of it. <gasps> Wonder if you and I start believing that. Wow! That's a little different. Man, I can't believe I got to go die for them. This is crazy. You sure I got to go? Yeah, man, I'll be with you. Trust me, I'll get you through. Yeah, but man, really? Yeah. Okay, beam me. One of a woman. Here he is. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> I like that. Boom. For the joy set before him, he said, I'll go through it all. I know what I'm accomplishing. Amen? That's how you find your value. It's only through the cross. I'm saying this emphatically for about the fourth time. If you look for your value anywhere but the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be way deceived. There's nowhere 
nowhere near the truth. If you look anywhere but Christ for your value, you'll come up short with how you see yourself. You with me? Can I pray over you guys? That was a great question. I felt like the question, and, I, and that was a great question. So, Father, we just thank You for the morning, and I just ask You for grace in Jesus' name to let this Word and this truth be so a reality. Father, I'm asking for such a personal, intimate awareness in each and every man in our lives with You that, that we would actually look back six, seven, eight months from now and just kind of sigh in our heart and say, man, it's been good. Just knowing You has been so good. I pray that every one of us, every single one of us is truly inspired to move in this direction. And like we said last night, no matter where we all feel like we're at on this spiritual ladder, we're all heading the same way. And I pray that would be a strength right here in this community that Christians are heading the same way. I pray that we all wake up to look like Jesus. And even if we believe a little bit different over some things, we can all embrace this one truth. We're called to shine. And I just ask this grace to be established in our lives and this fruit to come forth. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 If you have a weakness or pain in your body, I, I, I don't usually do it this way, but I feel this in my heart. Just put a, put, a, put a hand on your heart, on the middle of your belly, or on an area that you need touched by God. Just do that right now, just before the Lord in total faith. And Father, we just thank you right now for healing all through this room. I thank you. You love your guys, man. You gave your son to obtain many sons, and here they are. They're the roster of heaven. They're the best you've got, and you're excited. So touch them, empower them, and heal them in every way today, God. I thank you for just making them ready for a race. I just thank you right now, spirit, soul, and body, blameless till you come. A finished work of the cross. Spirit, soul, and body. Yeah. Spirit saved. Souls restored. Bodies healed. In the name of Jesus. All through this room. Amen? Amen.